Welcome to the Labor Force Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Strukin, proud member of New York State United Teachers. The UAW's engine keeps churning. The union announced this week over 10,000 auto workers across 13 non-union companies have signed union cars with the UAW as momentum builds across the auto industry for better wages, benefits, and rights on the job. The major milestone comes less than 90 days after UAW members ratified record contracts at the Big Three. Our stand-up movement has caught fire among America's auto workers, far beyond the Big Three, said UAW President Sean Fain. These workers are standing up for themselves, for their families, and for their communities, and our union will have their back every step of the way. In the wake of the UAW's historic stand-up strike victory at the Big Three automakers, Ford, GM, and Stellantis, thousands of non-union auto workers began organizing their own unions with the UAW across the entire non-union auto industry. In just two months, workers at Volkswagen in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and at Mercedes in Vance, Alabama, have gone public with their campaigns, nearing a majority of workers signed up at both plants. Workers at more than two dozen other facilities have begun organizing in the thousands, inspired by the Big Three victory and the non-union auto workers' public announcements. In your lifetime, have you ever seen a union have this much impact? This is what matters when all is said and done. As reported by Alex Press and Jacobin, other prime targets with campaigns underway include Toyota's 9,500-person Georgetown, Kentucky shop and Tesla's 20,000-person Fremont, California operation. The VW plant has been the site of several unsuccessful UAW campaigns. Pro-union workers were short 86 votes in 2014 and 57 votes in 2019, with the latter tally distinguished by a remarkably high 93% turnout. According to Labor Notes, the VW workers didn't simply wind up their effort after the 2019 loss, but rather continued meeting regularly and running a petition for the right to use their paid time off outside the company's annual week-long maintenance shutdown. But that was before members elected new leadership, distancing themselves from the old guard's past corruption. It was before the UAW won big at GM, Ford, and Stellantis. In this push, the UAW will go public with a campaign once 30% of workers have signed cards, then hold a rally with union leadership, Fain included, as well as families, neighbors, and community leaders as a means to build momentum for the effort. At 70%, and with an organizing committee in place containing members from each shift and job classification, workers will seek voluntary recognition for their union. Should the company refuse, and of course they will, the UAW will file for an NLRB election. I know the UAW endorsed Biden, and you're probably as excited as I am about a Biden-Trump rematch. But if that's going to be the likely choice, what were they supposed to do? You really think Trump will do anything to help the fortunes of working people? Here's Sean Fain drawing the contrast. And let's talk about making history. Rarely, as a union, do you get so clear of a choice between two candidates. In 2019, and I want you guys to pay attention to these two slides we're about to show you. In 2019, our members were out there holding the line at GM on a national strike for 40 days. Trump was the sitting president. And I want to show you a picture of what Trump said and what actions he took 
to help the American auto workers striking at GM when he was president. He said nothing. He did nothing, not a damn thing, because he doesn't care about the American worker. Now, here's what Trump did to help the American auto worker in our 2023 historic stand-up strike now that he's running for president. He went to a non-union plant invited by the boss and trashed our union. That's right. And here is what Joe Biden did during our stand-up strike. He heard the call and he stood up and he showed up. joined us in solidarity on the picket line for the first time in our nation's history. A sitting president has ever done that. He said on live national TV that the big three, and I quote, should go further to ensure that record corporate profits mean record contracts for the UAW and the workers. So that's a choice we face. It's not about who you like. It's not about your party. It's not this bullshit about age. It's not about anything but our best shot at taking back power for the working class. a billionaire, and that's who he represents. If Donald Trump ever worked in an auto plant, he wouldn't be a UAW member. He'd be a company man trying to squeeze the American worker.
Donald Trump stands against everything we stand for as a union, as a society. When you go back to our core issues, wages, retirement, health care, and our time, that's what this election's about. This election's about who will stand up with us and who will stand in our way. Those are the questions that will win or lose this election and will decide our fate. Those are the questions that will determine the future of our country and the fate of the working class. We can't let Trump get anywhere near the White House, anywhere near the Department of Labor and the NLRB, among others. Meanwhile, results are results. Impact is impact. And the UAW is having a moment sure to keep growing. We'll stay tuned on this one. I want to mention two ways you can support the Labor Force podcast. Working people need each and every voice raised for them they can get. You can click support on my Spotify for Podcasters page, or you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash laborforcepodcast. Each starts at just a dollar per month. Much appreciation for your contribution. And how's your state workforce faring these days? Here in New York, as reported by the Albany Times Union, state workforce vacancies continue to be a focal point amid hearings on Governor Kathy Hochul's proposed budget, with labor leaders pushing for a final spending plan to include changes they believe will help recruit and retain employees. Hochul's office reported that the state workforce stood at 175,333 employees at the end of December, but that leaves roughly 11,000 positions still vacant and that the administration is seeking to fill by the end of March. The State Public Employees Federation, New York's second-largest public labor union, commended Hochul's efforts to expand staffing. But PEF President Wayne Spence told a legislative panel on Tuesday that the state will fall short of the fiscal year hiring goal if further action is not taken. The ongoing worker shortage could be exacerbated by a looming exodus of workers who are reaching retirement age or eligible to retire early. Last year, Hochul noted projections showing 26% of the state government workforce will be eligible for retirement within the next five years. The proposed budget also includes measures to streamline hiring processes, such as bypassing civil service exams for certain positions. And then there's the Tier 6 pension plan, which applies to state workers hired after April 1, 2012. The plan has a higher minimum age of 63 for state workers to receive full retirement benefits. What's the life expectancy in the U.S. today? Not much room to enjoy the fruits of your labor under that provision. As a Tier 4 employee, I can retire with full benefits at 55. So you tell me whether that makes any difference. Public sector salaries cannot keep pace with the private sector. While the state maintains an excellent health insurance plan, premium increases in employee cost sharing have increased significantly over the years, Spence wrote in testimony submitted to the panel. The most cost-effective, universal way to positively impact public sector hiring, and more importantly retention, is to improve the Tier 6 pension plan. Hybrid and remote work options are suggested as potential incentives for attracting applicants to state jobs. Nearly 40,000 state government workers have not fully returned to their offices, including roughly 2,500 employees who work completely remote. 
Additionally, there are calls for legislation addressing workplace bullying and abusive conduct, as well as initiatives for diversity, equity, and inclusion training. The budget also proposes funding for an AI research center, with discussions on the role of artificial intelligence in the labor market and its potential impact on job roles. All reflections of broad changes and definitely necessary adjustments. So we'll see if they can really close that gap by the end of next month. Seems ambitious with the status quo. That's all for today's show. Solidarity. Talk soon. So thanks for listening. Please share, rate, and review to help others find the show. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. And speaking of listening and broadening your worker contact, the Labor Force Podcast is now affiliated with the Labor Radio Podcast Network, an indispensable labor source where you can find many more shows like this one. You can check it out at laborradionetwork.org. Until next time, take care and stay union strong.